Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here with Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, April 29, 2022. It's about 1.30 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. My guest today is Phil Giraldi, truly uh, one of my favorite guests because he has such a wealth of information about the intelligence community in the United States and what it knows and how it acquires information and what it does with the information and when it's being truthful or not. Phil himself is a former member of the CIA and former United States military intelligence who uh, famously resigned because the Bush administration was not uh, telling us the truth about what was happening uh, in Iraq. Phil, it's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Good to be on again. What is the, the goal, the end game of the United States government in the, dis- the, the war between Iraq, excuse me, between Ukraine and Russia today? Well, it depends on who you're listening to. Um, certainly, the, um, the the what I'm hearing over the past week or so from uh, the talking heads in Washington, the Secretary of Defense uh, out of the White House, is that uh, our objective seems to be to wear Russia down, to wear down Russia's military capability so that it can't interfere uh, presumably anywhere in the world, because at the the current time, obviously, this conflict is taking place right at Russia's front door. But the intention would be to diminish Russia's capability as a military and as a political power. And and at what cost are we willing to do that? I mean, stated differently, um, are we willing to allow the military and civilians still in Ukraine to be slaughtered uh, in a war that they are destined to lose? Yeah, I would agree with your conclusion there that they are destined to lose. There is no way you're going to remake uh, or affect effectively um, the imbalance between the two countries that are engaged in this fighting. Uh, the United States will merely prolong the process, uh, or at least this appears to be the intention, and uh, they will basically, as uh, some some jokers are saying on television and the internet, uh, fight Russia to the last dead or Ukrainian, um, because that's the inevitability of this. Ukraine cannot win. Uh, Russia could have come to terms before this fighting even started, but for the obstacles that basically the United States were put, was putting in the way. So we have a terrible situation getting worse. Uh, and now, of course, there is talk about the use of nuclear weapons. 
What do you either know or surmise your former colleagues in the intelligence community uh, are telling the president? I mean, are they telling him the Putin is scrambling, the Putin's a madman, the Putin doesn't know what he's doing, the Putin's on uh, on thin ice and, and the Russians can lose? Or are they saying to him, uh, Mr. President, the Russians are going to win this thing, no matter how much military support we give the Ukrainians? I rather suspect that he's he's getting a lot of the former, which is basically uh, the pep rally talk about what's going on out of the intelligence community. That's because the people who are at the top of the intelligence community are basically in place because they're cheerleaders, because uh, they'll bring good news to the president and to the secretary of state. Now, but at the same time, there are some people in the intelligence community, believe it or not, who are actually intelligent, who are actually aware <laughs> of what really is at stake here and what is really going on. And I think the leadership uh, probably gets a little nervous when it sees that kind of thing. But and don't they have, uh, excuse yeah. me for interrupting, Phil, don't they have a legal and a moral duty to tell the president the truth, not what they think he wants to hear to justify his past behavior, but the truth. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And that's why these people are becoming a little nervous because they know that there is an alternative uh, narrative about what's going on, which quite uh, significantly differs from the, uh, the narrative that's being promoted. But bear in mind, uh, in the intelligent world, truth is a very elusive thing. Uh, you have truth if you're uh, sitting in a room and Vladimir Putin is saying, this is what we are going to do tomorrow. That's kind of a, a good bit of evidence that tells you what he probably will do tomorrow. But just looking at what you see going on in Russia and what kind of meetings are taking place. And uh, you're probably intercepting low level telephone conversations and that kind of thing. You don't have the truth. That's why we have analysts. The analysts put all this stuff together in a certain way and they don't always get it right. All right, how about on the uh, military side? Uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me uh, a clip the other day. I, I don't know if it was intended to be public or not. It's public now of the CEO of Raytheon, you know who they are, I mean, one of the biggest manufacturers of, of military hardware, maybe the biggest in the world, basically saying the Defense Department and NATO are giving the Ukrainians uh, equipment from their stockpiles. We're not manufacturing new stuff for them. This is old stuff that they have in their stockpiles. And much of it is being destroyed by the Russians because the Russians know where these stockpiles are. They're already over there uh, before the Ukrainians even learn, uh, Ukrainian soldiers even learn how to use them. Oh, and by the way, once these stockpiles are depleted and then he sort of goes, yay, yay, then we're going to be getting orders for more. All right. So Raytheon wants to make more equipment to destroy more people uh, and destroy more equipment and replace the equipment that's already been destroyed. True or not? Well, I think that's straight out of the horse's mouth, as the expression goes. Uh, of course, I mean, Lockheed and Raytheon are in the business of, of uh, uh, providing equipment that uh, has only a limited shelf life. And uh, the, the more you limit the shelf life, the more money they're going to make. 
Uh, this is the problem with um, this, the whole business of what we're seeing in Ukraine is, is essentially a, uh, it's, it's kind of a stew of a lot of different interest groups and interests that come together that want to see this thing escalate to the point of the United States getting involved actively in it. And the reason for all this is because it benefits those groups. It benefits the uh, the oligarchs. It benefits the uh, defense contractors. It de- it benefits the clowns in Congress who somehow make to, seem to make money when all of these deals are churning around. So it's a there are a lot of people that benefit from this, and uh, that's that's what it comes down to. Because there's no logical reason on earth why the United States should be involved in this conflict. Doesn't it also benefit, and you may have alluded to this, I just want to be precise because uh, this is a hot-button issue with a lot of our viewers, doesn't it also benefit the the globalists in the State Department whose real goal is to diminish Russia and get rid of Putin? Yeah, yeah, that, I think there's a, there absolutely is that, uh, that tendency or that... Uh, I don't know how you would actually describe it. It's not like a cult that gets together every Thursday night or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's certainly a, certainly a group that talks within itself, that exchanges views, uh, gets funded by the sources that we all know about, like Mr. Soros. And uh, they have a worldview. They have a world conception of what they want to see. And a country like Russia, which is socially conservative, uh, and also, shall we say, uh, Christian uh, is something that is, um, to a certain extent, abhorrent to, abhorrent to them. Right, right. Uh, you mentioned uh, Congress, and I know your field, uh, Phil, is intelligence and military. This is a political question. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Senator Coons, Chris Coons of Delaware, who now occupies the seat in the Senate that Joe Biden once occupied for 36 years and is supposedly Joe Biden's best friend uh, in Washington, sounded like Senator Lindsey Graham when he said we have to consider seriously putting American troops on the ground. Is something like that a trial balloon? Is something like that uh, being planned for by the Pentagon, discussed between Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Secretary of Defense Globalist-in-Chief Antony Blinken and the President himself? Yeah, I would have to suspect uh, it's... I wouldn't necessarily call it a trial balloon, but I would refer to it as an option. Uh, These people like to have options on the table. And certainly there is a, a strong constituency for going active in terms of this conflict, getting directly involved uh, on the ground. Uh, I I believe also that the uh, Republican counterpart of Coons, uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, said something very similar. So it's uh, this is bipartisan to a certain extent. So is it likely that um, uh, Joe Biden has a plan B that the Pentagon has worked out and that that plan B would be for the... uh, 82nd Airborne, or I don't know which military unit it would be, to paratroop in and start shooting at Russian soldiers? I would suggest that the Pentagon has like a whole series of plans about Ukraine that uh, generally will 
start with a, a fairly mild intervention of some kind, but uh, that as you go up the ladder, you escalate in terms of the U.S. involvement. And uh, I would not be surprised if we see that kind of engagement where somehow uh, the U.S. will get its foot in the door and see what the Russian reaction is, and then they will contemplate doing something uh, more aggressive. And this can keep going on, as you can imagine, uh, till you reach the point where U.S. troops are actually, as you say, uh, shooting Russians and Russians shooting back. Is Putin, from your experience in the intelligence community, uh, Phil, is Putin a madman who might send a missile to Los Angeles? Or is he a shrewd, calculating, uh, intelligent politician who rose to the top? Well, I think, first of all, you should uh, look at the sources for describing Putin as a madman or, or you know, insane in some measure. Um, those sources are generally sources that are always hostile to Russia and are basically stitching stuff together to make it look like Putin is out of control, about to be deposed, uh, as I say, insane. Uh, that's where this kind of stuff comes from. I, in my uh, opinion, uh, and I do uh, read and follow uh, developments every day. I, I don't read Russian very well anymore, but I do follow the European media. I follow the U.S. media. I, I think uh, Putin is uh, acting perfectly responsibly in terms of what his objectives are in Ukraine. Is is the game over? In other words, is it for certain that Russia has won or will soon win this? And if so, why are we still sending military equipment there that results in needless bloodshed, suffering, and death? Well, there are a couple of aspects to that. First of all, the, the sending the equipment is uh, uh, basically a, um, a measure of how critically the U.S. administration sees this issue, this conflict. It's sending a message to the European allies. It's sending the message to the rest of the world that we are going toe-to-toe and we're being tough and aggressive. So I think there's a measure of that there. Now, in terms of winning and losing, here's where it gets really gray. Um, There are ways to win militarily, and I think Russia... Uh, has a limited objective in terms of uh, the parts of Ukraine that it it wishes to exercise some control over. But at the same time, you can lose politically. And this is really where the danger comes in for Russia, uh, because obviously the United States is is, uh, going after the Russian economy. Um, And whether this effort um, is having any serious effect is difficult to judge right now. But whether in the long run it will create problems for Russia and perhaps create the kind of turmoil within Russia uh, that no one but Joe Biden and, and Mr. Blinken want to see, uh, it, it remains to be resolved. I mean, this is a this is a very complicated issue as it folds and unfolds. Wow. Phil Giraldi, uh, I mean, you, you uh, bring us such a breath 
of fresh air from your own experience in the intelligence community and the people with whom uh, uh, you're in contact and from whom you gather your uh, information. Uh, one of our other guests, who I know you know, uh, Scott Ritter, brings us a similar argument as well. But you don't hear this stuff in the mainstream uh, media. I mean, Ritter told us that Putin's popularity has actually gone up amongst the Russian public, that there's a period, that there's a feeling of patriotic pride uh, supporting uh, his invasion in Russia. Do you share that view? Well, uh, the, the numbers seem to bear that out. They, there was a drop-off uh, immediately after the fighting started because right. obviously you start a war or you get into a war and there's major concern on the part of the public as to how far this is going to go, what the direction will be, so on and so forth. It dropped off, but it's recovered. Uh, and that is uh, by uh, polls that have been conducted by European groups and groups that are have no necessarily... Uh, a bias in terms of what they're reporting. Uh, and, and Putin has been um, extremely popular uh, right from the beginning. This is uh, something that uh, he's, his popularity was um, over 90% um, uh, about a year ago. And um, and uh, there was a... a I'm, laughing because, I'm laughing because old Joe's popularity is down to 33%. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, there was a there was an opinion poll back about five years ago. It was in a European newspaper. I don't remember which one it was, but it was amazing. It basically asked whether it was the Germans or the Brits or the French um, or maybe a combination of all of the above. Uh, how do you rate the leaders in Europe? And Putin came out on top mm. in Western Europe by a considerable margin. And, you know, so th this is a guy that... Um, I think uh, knows what he's saying, says what he thinks, and uh, and basically is a nationalist. Now, nationalist is an old-fashioned word for us Americans, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, but he's a nationalist, and his country is, uh, as I say, it's uh, old-fashioned Christianity, Russian Orthodox Christianity, and uh, the the history of the czar is respected. So this is a country that looks back in history as conservative. And that, of course, makes a lot of people hate it. How much longer can the uh, war go on? How much longer the war can go on really depends on what we do. Um, the war is probably sustainable in one form or another uh, as guerrilla action, as, uh, as um, uh, covert action by intelligence agencies. Uh, for about as long as we want to make it happen. And um, until people in Washington have the sense to say that this is something that really is benefiting no one, uh, it can just, this can be in one form or another, uh, this could go on till the end of the year, I hate to say, or, or it, it, it's, it's kind of like Afghanistan. You have to think it in those terms where there are so many, uh, elements in the game that you, it's not exactly like you just put your thumb on one and everything stops. Wow. Bill Giraldi, it's always a joy to listen to you. Thank you for your clear headed and courageous analysis of this uh, situation uh, and analysis that you just don't get uh, anywhere else. For those of you watching, judging freedom, 
we have a couple of very interesting pop-ups where it's just me explaining craziness going on in the legal system in the United States that'll be coming up in just a few minutes. But Phil, thanks very much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. Thank you for having me on again. Thank you.